0: Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg, and friends, I am excited to be joined today by two very special guests, Christina Edwards and Colleen Carroll. Let me just tell you up front that we're doing things a little differently today because I recently had the pleasure of serving on an NX Unite panel discussion with Christina that was also hosted by Colleen. The topic of the panel was increasing operational efficiency in the nonprofit world, and it was an incredible conversation about not just how to improve efficiency in our organizations, but also why operational efficiency helps us do more for our staff and those we serve. Before I share more about the panel, let me make sure you know about NX Unite. NX Unite connects leaders in the mission-driven space with the resources and the people they need for their organization to thrive. From hosting panels with industry experts to providing curated listings of nonprofit learning opportunities, NX Unite helps organizations get their important questions answered. Gain insight, share knowledge, and connect with the people you need to accomplish your mission. NX Unite brings nonprofit leaders together in an unstoppable community that facilitates valuable connections. I am thrilled to share this panel conversation with you because I believe it will be incredibly valuable for you. And this is especially true if you are looking for ways to make your organization more effective, more efficient and more impactful. During this panel, Christina and I share practical tips and strategies for streamlining your operations, improving communication, and leveraging technology to improve your workflow. And I will share with you, both Christine and I take a pretty significant DEI lens on this, that operational efficiency really helps us as organizations treat all of our stakeholders. That's our staff, that's those we serve, that's our partners with equity and inclusion. The panel was a full 60 minutes, and we have broken this panel into two episodes, so Today's episode is the first half of the panel, and we're going to be covering some of the most important topics that we discussed during the panel. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how to make your organization more efficient, effective, and impactful. And please don't forget to tune in for the second part of the panel in our next episode. Now, my friends, let's get started with this panel.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to our panel. My name is Colleen Carroll, and I'm a content publishing coordinator at Nexus Marketing and your moderator for today's panel session. Our topic today is nonprofit operations, maximizing efficiency and engagement across key roles. First, I'd like to introduce Christina Edwards, who is the founder at Splendid Consulting. Christina is a marketing expert and coach who helps ambitious social impact businesses and nonprofits increase revenue, awareness, and engagement. She's ever passionate about equipping organizations to step into their expertise, be bold, and find their unique voice and audience online. Her packed-out workshops and courses spark enthusiasm, social action, and powerful results. Amplify Social Impact, her signature online course, teaches organizations how to make marketing movements that matter online. So glad you could be here, Christina. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Also joining us is Dolph Goldenberg, Principal Consultant at Successful Nonprofits. Dolph started Successful Nonprofits in 2014 to strengthen the nonprofit sector through consulting, podcasting, and publishing. It is one of the few consulting practices that has published a manifesto and is guided by Principal profit. His clients have included large nonprofits like North Coast Operations and Hope Atlanta, and also small but mighty nonprofits like the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund and Pebble Tossers. Dolph also hosts the top-ranked Successful Nonprofits podcast. Glad you could be here, Dolph.
0: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: All right, we are going to jump right in. And Christina, I'm going to have you start us off. Why is working towards improved efficiency so important for our nonprofits?
2: The first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is it is how we combat burnout and churn. So when your organization has uh, it's basically internal structures aren't efficient, we see a lot of employee churn, contractor volunteer ch- churn and then ultimately you might even see donor churn right because through that like the effect of that, that is that those donors aren't being stewarded, stewarded they're not being nurtured and they're falling off like they they become the one and done donor so efficiency is so important because
1: it really helps like keep the house together Definitely. Thank you so much for starting us off. Dolph, I'm going to have you continue with the same question. Why is talking about efficiency so important? So,
0: Christina, I, I really appreciate your answer. And our two answers are going to dovetail together so nicely. So in my work with nonprofits, and I hear organizations say this all the time, I hear them say, we can't afford For example, we can't afford to pay equitable wages. And I always talk about this. Equitable wages are different from competitive wages. They're often more than competitive wages in the nonprofit sector. But I often have organizations say, we can't afford to pay equitable wages. We can't afford to expand this program. We can't afford to reach a new constituency or a new audience. And what I have found is that when we really focus on efficiency and figure out how we can drill down, suddenly we find the money to provide the benefits that we should be providing so that we're taking care of our talent, our team, our staff today. And frankly, we're taking care of them tomorrow, which means, you know, they can retire one day. Um, it, it means that we can expand our programs. We can serve more people. And and at the end of the day, as organizations, that's what we're about. And so let's let's drill down on efficiency. Let's find ways that we can squeeze more, not, not so that we can cause people to be even more tired and cause people to be even more burned out, but so that we can actually support the individuals who work with us and for us.
1: Wonderful. We are off to a good start. I'm glad we all agree efficiency is important as that is what we are talking about today. So it'd be a little awkward if we didn't didn't feel (laughs) that way. Dolph, I'll have you start us off with this next question. Um, in your experience, what are some ways for nonprofits to get easy wins at maximizing efficiency? Or kind of what are small changes that could make their strategy or practices all that more impactful?
0: So I'm going to start with very, very small changes. But they're small changes that, honestly, you're going to get the biggest bang for your for the time that you invest. You're actually not going to have to invest any money on this. The biggest one is email. Uh, I am I, I am in a battle to get us all to use email less. So one of the things that I love to talk about, and with, with my coaching clients, we'll often talk about their email habits. So if you get just 60 emails a day, which, by the way, is not that many. So if you get just 60 emails a day, and on average, you spend five minutes responding to each one, that means you might delete one immediately, but you spend 10 minutes on another one or 20 minutes on another one. So five minutes times 60 emails is 300 minutes a day. That's, that's five hours a day. And so, so often, you know, as, as, as nonprofit leaders and, and everyone in our organization, they'll go, oh my gosh, I've reached the end of my day and I don't feel like I've done anything. And it's because we spent five hours and we do, did not do it in all in one block. We spent five hours on email in the day. And then assuming you only want to work eight or nine hours a day, you only had three or four hours for everything else. And so one of the things that I often talk about is, you know, frankly, Good email hygiene. So, checking our email once a day, creating creating some templates that we can use for frequently asked questions. Um, but, but also not. You know, being really clear with folks: hey, if this requires a conversation, let's have a conversation. But we're not going to ping ten emails back and forth to each other because email begets more email. Um, and then the last is within our organizations, really encouraging everybody to think: you know, do I need to email this? And if so, do I really need to copy sixty or even six people on it? Can I can I just send it to one person so that it's not it's not taking everybody's bandwidth? Um, I could go on and on and on about this, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up so that Christina can answer too.
2: Oh my gosh. I love that. I'm like nodding along going, yes, 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 yes. So I want to make the distinction, less tiny emails back and forth internally, more emails out to your list. Please do more of that. Like, right. Cause that's, those are money makers, Right. But those little ones, I think they're, they're the biggest time waste. One of the things I did, I like had to Google the answer to figure it out. But I was like, I have to get rid of the little thing on my mail that says like you have a new, in, it comes in the top right screen, you know, the ping when you leave your mailbox open, but you're doing something else. I got rid of it. So if I forget to close my email out, I don't see that more emails came in, right? Because I'm on some other tasks. So I think you were talking a lot about task switching too. Um, so that way you're just like when your email, right, when your email responding, you're only doing that once or twice a day, and then you're not doing it in the like six hours in between, right? Um, but I also want to mention one of the things that I've adopted inside my my company and has worked a lot for my clients is Loom videos and or the use of something like WhatsApp or Voxer. So if I'm working internally with my assistant, there are a lot of times I can explain something better over a Voxer or a Loom. Put this there. Do that but that that would have just it would have just taken far too long to write an email. And at the end of the year, it was really funny because I sort of, I giggled about it, but Loom sent me like a year in review and the way that Spotify did, like a rap. And my year in review for Loom was like, you saved, I think it was like, I don't know, 25 meetings. I saved 25 meetings and now my assistant, again, this could be a team member, can go reference that Loom video again. How do I do this thing inside MailChimp? How do I do this thing? Oh, I did it one time, I screen recorded it. And if you're like, what's Loom? It's just a screen recorder. And I talk and I narrate and I'm sharing my screen and I do it once and it becomes a system and a process. So we're more efficient.
1: My email inbox would love some of these changes. I'm like, yes, I I always get scared how many emails I've received when I'm on these hour long sessions when I open it up. So anything that could get less of those emails sounds great to me. Awesome. Uh, Christina, I'll have you start us off with this next question. We're just going to be pinging back and forth here. Uh, For nonprofits that are ready to make big changes, so we just did small changes, but are ready to make big changes to be more efficient, what should they consider? What are your suggestions about where they should start?
2: So, one of the things that has worked really well for me and my clients is this concept of decisive action. And it's actually very uncommon in the nonprofit world because we're used to what does the board think? What does the committee think? Let me ping it by somebody else. Let me, well, let's table it till the next one, right? And when you actually say, I'm going to make a decision about this donor management software or this one, and I'm going to spend two hours researching it. I'm going to talk to four colleagues that I know and trust in this specific thing, get their opinions. And then I'm going to make a decision by Friday. That's decisive action versus like kicking the can where you're like, oh, I really need to make a decision on my software. So that's the first piece is giving yourself kind of a a disciplined container of time to to decide because there are constantly decisions you have to make every single day. And I find the like weighing of the pros and cons is where we lose a lot of time and efficiency. The other piece is just being ready for when you do make big changes and you do pick donor software B you're gonna have some people who are like, you should have gone with A. I hate it. I hate it. And just you're going to counter that resistance and just expecting it and being like, okay, but I made decisive action and here's why I chose B and we go. And we're going to have a tutorial on how to implement B. So just getting ready for the fact that you're the decision maker, or there is a group of decision makers and that you don't necessarily need a hundred percent of people to be like, you did a great job. I agree. You should have chosen B.
1: Think that's important guidance. I think it can be uncomfortable. We all want to be liked by everyone at all times, but it's just not going to be possible and it's not going to be efficient. So definitely. Right. All right. Well, over to you. Big, big changes.
0: So uh, Christina, I, I love the decisiveness piece. And one of the things we know is that successful leaders are decisive. They They don't spend Five weeks to make a decision and then not make a decision. So I, I really appreciate that you said that. And along those lines, one of the one of the exercises that we'll sometimes do with our strategic planning clients, uh, and, and this this really works well when you think about efficiency, is imagine. Imagine you have a new CEO or new executive director come into your organization. And if, if you're the chief executive, so you know, imagine that you've stepped down as the executive director. Someone new comes in and they spend a month just observing everything that your organization's doing. And at the end of that month, they've written down three things that have to change. So chances are, if, you're, if you lead a department or you're the chief executive of your organization, you probably already know what those three things are. And Sometimes we put them off because they're hard. Or sometimes we put them off because you know it's going to make someone unhappy. It might be it might be a, a, a senior leadership team member. It might be a board member. It might be a constituency that you serve, but you put them off. And so I would really I would really ask that you think about you know what are those three things that if someone else came in after one month they would go I might not be able to change this right away, but this has to change sometime in the next three to twelve months, and and then really work on those three things the other thing that I would think about is make sure you have a budget to work on those three things. So, you know, and again, this is also where we get back to when we, when we're more efficient, we should be able to have more money to do things. But so don't try to do something big without a budget. But as you're thinking about the budget, also think about what your return on the investment is. And so Christine, I know, had mentioned like, you know, maybe you're looking at a new CRM. Okay. So make sure you've got the budget for that, but also make sure that you understand what your return on the investment is going to be. So it's not just, oh, we're going to be more efficient, but when we get this, CRM will will have these additional tools and those tools will generate X amount um, in the first year and Y amount, which should be more in the second year. And so it's being really clear about that so that you can measure the impact.
1: Fantastic. Um, All right. This next question is about learning from other people's mistakes. I think none of us want to reinvent the wheel. Things have been done before. So are there any kind of common stumbling blocks that you all see that our nonprofits on the call we can tell them just avoid it. You don't need to do it again. People have already done it. Dolph, can I pass this over to you first?
0: Uh, absolutely. I joke that unfortunately, I think I've learned everything the hard way because I'm a kinesthetic learner. My husband makes fun of me because, like, I will. If there's an, is there something that comes that comes that we have to assemble? I will always. Take everything out, not read the directions, and try to assemble it. And then eventually, he will come by and be like, "Dolph, let's read the directions." And then we read the directions and we assemble it. So I, I am totally one hundred percent guilty of this. In that I, I am a kinesthetic learner. I, I'm, I learn best when first I'm, I'm touching things and I'm working with things, and and then I go back and I figure out what it is I need to do. But we also know that that's you know in a in a workplace setting, that's not always the most efficient way to learn something. And and the the two biggest stumbling blocks that I see, the first is. Um, sometimes we have blinders on. We, we, we believe that because it's always been done this way, we can't do it another way. But the other big stumbling block, and there's this amazing book, and um, we, at Successful nonprofits, we do a book club, and we actually had the author of this book come in um, to the book club. It, it, it's a book called The Imagination Machine. And the whole, the whole point of this book is, imagine what's not currently reality, but is possible and ask yourself how you can actually make it reality. And so often we, we again, we get stuck in this world where we're like, well, that's just not, you know, that, that that's never happened. There's no way we'd ever be able to make it work. But if we reverse engineer it, we can often figure out how we're going to get there.
2: I love that. I feel like it's, it, it's the idea of being open to like doing the beta or rough draft version of the thing And I think a lot of times people get stuck because they're like, if I can't be excellent, then I'm just going to stay exactly here. And that could be with the CRM or it could be with anything, right? With that internal operations piece. So it's like, it's too hard to be excellent. That is too far away. That's going to take 10 years. And so I'm just going to stay exactly cozy right here where I'm also frustrated. And there is like a really beautiful in between. And it's like, what is your first draft? What is your first version of adding new tech or adding a new meeting procedure or adding some new thing that creates e- efficiency inside your organization and does ruffle a few feathers, right? But ultimately, it gets you to that vision of what you really, really want. It's like, what are the what are the steps to get there, right? And I see a lot of organizations, the other piece of it is, we do this in marketing, that's my space. We give up when it feels hard. So we have a really great idea for a marketing campaign or an online fundraiser. And you're like all excited and you plan the whole thing and you launch the whole thing and it's a month long and somewhere in the middle, it's like, I'm over it. I'm tired. It's hard. It's not working. And all of a sudden you just dial down the the, the energy, the enthusiasm, the frequency, all of it. And you do that same thing when you transition to any new policy procedure tech where you're like... I love it. I mean, I did this with my my own company. When I switched my tech, I was like, oh God, this is so hard. But pushing through that hard and being on the other side of it, I met with fellow course creators uh, a few months ago and they were like, how do you do this inside? How do you do that? And I was like, oh, it's all automated. And they were like, what? You automate all that? I was like, yeah, I automated all of it. The learning curve to set up the automations was pretty painful. And Now I know how to do it. It won't ever be that painful again, knock on wood, and it's automated. So, you know, it's like you remind yourself that you're going through it. You're going through that grit and a little bit of that grind to get you to that rough draft.
1: Yes, I think that the challenge can feel really tough at the time, but when you're on that other side and you've made your life easier, it's such a fantastic feeling. Awesome. Uh, Christina, I'm going to have you start us off with this next question. Uh, How can our nonprofit leaders particularly help their fundraising teams? And I also would love to hear from you about how they could help their marketing teams, as I know that is where a lot of your expertise is.
2: Um, As far as tools and resources, or what are you thinking? Honestly, I would love tools and resources and kind of operational things that they could do. Got it. So what comes to mind is like, what are some of Like there's so many different tech tools out there that have basically come in and said, we can solve you. We can solve this time problem. We can solve this communications problem. And that's actually where I see the first kind of stumbling block of organizations where they're like, well, should I use Asana or Monday or ClickUp? I mean, there's so many different ones. And that's a piece of decisive action. Just pick one, just pick one and then make the decision because Asana, that's what I use. But like, it's like a pair of jeans. My favorite... Designer for a pair of jeans might be different than yours, but just pick one and implement it and get everybody on board so you're making it a policy. And that's a great place for, I really love marketing and fundraising and development to be synced up and not be siloed off. You can do that on Google Sheets. You can do that on a content calendar. I teach that in my program, Amplify Social Impact, of like, you can bring them all together on basically a glorified Excel document. But the point is just pick one thing and use it regularly. So that's the first piece. i talked about Loom. Um, Slack can be great if you're into Slack. I wouldn't app yourself to death, where you're like, I have to do five apps now because I attended this webinar. So just pick one or two that really works for you and and go forth on that. Um, I feel like there's a third thing that flew out of my brain, but maybe it'll come back here in a second.
1: You can always jump back in. We can return back to this topic. All right, Dolph, over to you. How can our nonprofit leaders really help their fundraising teams?
0: So I'm going to go old school here because I'm I'm actually not going to talk about technology when we talk about efficiency and fundraising, and and just so folks sort of know my background before I'm a consultant now I've been doing that for about eight years before I was a consultant I was an executive director and before that I was a development director and so I honestly I have a, I have a pretty traditional nonprofit path in that I I got a degree in social work pretty quickly moved into fundraising and and spent spent you know a good little bit of time in fundraising. And, and so this is something that's near and dear to my heart because I, I I know this from my own lived experience. And it's also, I said, I'm going to go a little bit old school because uh, and I'm, I'm going to date myself. When I started in the workplace, email did exist, but our 50-person agency shared one email address. Um, so it was it was a long, long, long time ago. And you just have to go in a room to check that email. Um, but, um, but so so where I'm going with this is, I think so often in fundraising, um, we get so caught up once again, and well, this is what we've always done, or this is really popular, but it doesn't actually raise money. You don't see a good return on your investment. I was actually having this conversation uh, just yesterday with a client, and we were talking about their annual event. And I, I, don't, I don't really do fundraising uh, consulting, but but if we're talking about their annual event, I'm always happy to, you know, throw out some things that might help them. And, you know, they, they were talking about how exhausting the annual event is and how how they're getting, frankly, their event calendar is getting so full. And, you know, there were a few things that I talked with them about the first year. I was like, well, you know, gosh, it sounds like you're doing 10 events in a year, which is a lot of events. And, you know, you really need to make sure you understand what the purpose of the event is. If it is just cultivation, okay, then then don't make it a fundraising event at all and just do cultivation and take the fundraising pressure off. So that way you're cultivating your donors and, and ultimately you end up getting more money from them down the road. But if it's a fundraising event, look at that fundraising event ruthlessly. And, and the example I give is, you know, a, a, a lot of organizations will do like a big annual event and, and then maybe that annual event, $150,000. But inside that event, they do a raffle um, that maybe generates $1,500 or $2,000. So, you know, about 1% of the the total gross of the event. But board members spend tens of hours of time soliciting raffle items, and then staff members are spending dozens of hours cataloging those raffle items and making them look great and putting them out on social media all for $1,500. You know, if that's the case, Kill your raffle and, you know, just focus on your sponsorships and and your day of solicitation and your ticket sales. And you're going to make nearly as much money with a lot less work. So really what I'm saying is like, just look at what you're doing, ruthlessly prioritize. And if you aren't getting the return on the investment, stop doing it. It's fundraising. It, it It's about making money. And if you're not generating money from it, let it go.
2: Oh, I have to know in the chat if that's resonating with people. Who here has like a version of the raffle they wish they could just exit. Yes. Yes. And also it's like, be ready. There's going to be somebody who's been involved with your organization for 25 years. That's like, no, the raffle. That's the thing. Right. And it's like, okay, but are we here to make money? What's our goal? Because if this is a fundraiser, that is not the thing. There is a better use of everyone's time. Yes. Okay. Rebecca says yes.
0: And, and, and Christina, and I agree with you and I'll share with you. And it's all, it's often that long-term, um, board member who who is probably also seen as a real influencer and an elder who's like, I remember when we started the raffle in 1994, and, and it was always so popular, and everybody loves it. And that's where you need to think about: if you're not on the board, you need to think about who your board allies are, so that you, as the development director, or the development coordinator, or the executive director, is not the person shooting it down. You know, you, you've got your board allies who are going to say, "Yeah, but let's take a hard look at this, and can should we really still be doing this raffle?" Um, and, and that's where I just think we've got to be thinking really strategically, because what, when it's when it's that that elder board member, and I don't mean elder in terms of age, I mean in terms of influence, um, yep. you know, when it's that elder board member, it can be really hard to say no.
2: Oh, that's such a great point. Yes. And it's like, how can that elder board member see, be seen and honored and appreciated and mm-hmm. not feel like they're just being pushed out? And there is a way to accomplish both, Right. Right. Great.
0: And, 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 yes. and, and I see someone put in their silent auctions. Yeah. Like I, I see so many silent auctions where people are auctioning off 50 and $100 items. Uh, I mean, and when, 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 when my husband and I, when we go to events and we see that, I just shake my head. I'm like, that is so much work. And you know, yeah. if it's, if it's a hundred dollar gift card, probably the most you're going to get, unless you have someone who loves you is $95. That is so much work for $95.
1: I feel like throughout the the past panels, I've heard a lot of people talk about blaming the pandemic uh, so that they can get rid of events like, oh, that's just one of the things we're just not bringing back post-pandemic, and we're just going to hope no one really brings it up again. So I think there's a lot of people who have that exact same sentiment of that there are events and things that we've always done that it's just not worth for us to continue to do. So it's a hard truth, but a helpful truth in my opinion.
0: And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I hope you found our discussion on increasing operational efficiency in your organization to be both insightful and valuable. Please remember that we have only covered a portion of the panel discussion, so be sure to download our next episode for more practical tips and strategies. And Before we go, I want to remind you that your feedback is incredibly important to us. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends and your colleagues. Your support helps us reach more nonprofit professionals and makes a greater impact in the world. And As always, be sure to visit our website, SuccessfulNonprofits.com, where you'll find a wealth of resources and tools that will help you on your journey in the nonprofit sector. That, my friends, is our show for the week. I hope you have gained some insight to help your nonprofit thrive. And the lawyers make me say it, I'm not an accountant nor an attorney, and neither I nor the Goldenberg Group provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. If that is what you need, please find a licensed, qualified professional in your area and get the counsel that you need.